Hi friends, welcome to Equip to Be. Well, happy new year. I have invited a sweet friend and dear guest, Barb Winters on the program today. She is a speaker an author. She has the Hopeful Moms ministry that she leads. She is a certified mental health coach. And we're going to talk about an important topic on keeping healthy relationships and some of the things that, let's say, our kids can get into that can take them down a slippery slope and skew their view of relationships. And so that's a great little teaser for this week on Equipped to Be with my guest, Barb Winters. Hey, Barb, thanks for coming on the program. I'm thrilled to be here, Connie. Thanks so much for allowing me to chat with your audience today. Absolutely. So, you know, in you have a book and it's called Sexpectations, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Healthy Relationships. And as I was kind of reading over your story, because we all have a story that compels us to write about something. And your story is a really interesting story. You're a mother of, what is that, four? Is that right? You have four children? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Four. So mm-hmm. you have four children, you homeschooled, you are having a happy family, and then you learn some things about one of your kids, and it sent you really on probably a path of reflection, like, what did I do wrong? How yes. could I have, I mean, don't we all do that? The first thought is usually, what did I do wrong? So before we really kick off on our conversation day, tell my audience a little bit about yourself and the ministries that you have and get them to know you a little better. Absolutely. So I am a pastor's wife, so that is the core of who I am. And we did homeschool. I'm now retired simply because my kids aged out, thankfully. Um, but we Can I just stop you there? I love that. Um, I call it, I call it, you're part of the all done club. Yeah. Because there was a lot of wisdom gained over that time of being in the trenches and and learning. So I just love that you said they aged out. I'm happy that mine aged out. I'm really glad they graduated and, you know, they're living a wonderful life. So anyway, so much for that caveat. Go ahead. Go back to what you were saying. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, we, you know, we did all the things that we thought were accurate in helping our kids understand how life works and, and when it's appropriate time to get involved with others and waiting till marriage for all the things, etc. Um, so, you know, we thought we had, had done everything correctly, but when my son, my third son was 14, we learned that he was involved in watching inappropriate images and videos online, and it really rocked our world. It was a shocker. Mm. This wasn't on our radar. This wasn't anything we anticipated or expected. We, you know, like I said, we we talked with him about biblical ways to do life, et cetera. And it, it sent me into the mode that you're talking about, like questioning, my goodness, what did I do wrong? Um, I felt guilt. I felt angry. I felt, you know, uh, shame, all the feels. And mostly I felt alone, though, because I was like, how did this happen? So we we set on this path to help him. And at 16, he confessed that he really was still um, involved in this behavior, which really, again, sent us into shock again. And yet we were helping him. And thankfully, at that point, you know, he knew that he could trust us with this information because we were doing the best we we knew how to help him. Yeah. But through it all, the big thing that really spoke to me was the fact that I was having issues myself. I was having all these feels. I was having trouble marrying all this information. Like if I had 
done all this, what I thought correctly, then why did he still get involved in this behavior? And I started doing some research and I learned the statistics of how many children get caught up in watching things online that they shouldn't be watching. And I thought, well, my goodness, if that many kids are experiencing this and that many parents have kids experiencing this. And so why aren't we talking about it? And that's when I decided um, to hang my hat, so to speak. I started Hopeful Mom, hopefulmom.net, to help other parents who learned of their children's um, conduct online and were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do about this? So that's been the start of all this that eventually led to the books, Expectations, of helping parents and leaders and educators understand well, what does a healthy relationship, first of all, look like? Because a lot of us don't even know what does healthy relationships look like. And then how can we model that and pass that information down to our children, especially those that do get caught up in these types of behavior? Well, you know, it's been interesting because I do a lot of media work, a lot of segments for a, a television studio, and I do a lot of podcasts on this very topic. And, you know, so often it's pointed, you know, we've been talking about how to keep your kids safe, like how to keep your kids safe, how do you keep them from being a victim, from having somebody hurt or harm them, or, you know, we're trying to be proactive in keeping right. that from happening, which is an absolute must. And unfortunately, Barb, my research has shown parents often, not a lot of you listeners are like this, but a lot of parents just kind of hope for the best. And unfortunately, usually there's a lot of casualty, a lot of emotional fallout from that. But what I love about what we're talking about today is not always is it the result of someone else, a bad guy, uh, a bad actor, a perpetrator going after our children. It's our children's natural curiosity. So we're going to do two things because you said something I absolutely love, and I want to come back to it so I don't want to confuse my listener. You said two things. There was a lot of mom guilt, a lot of shame, a lot yes. of guilt, a lot of what could I have done better? Where did I go wrong? So I want to come back to that if we have time at the end of the show. Otherwise, maybe we can have you back on the program because I believe that is huge in a mom's mental health and a mom's being able to move forward when her kids do something that disappoint or that uh, make her feel like she just wasn't on top of it doing what her job was. So I want to come back to that if possible. So we're talking about our kids not being targeted, our kids being curious. Yes. They, you know, they type something on the net and it takes them not where they're expecting to go. And that just maybe the right age or the right moment or the right chat conversation, whatever it is, it just, it's like a nanosecond. They see something. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. What? What? Let me go. I didn't really see that. Let me go back. <laughs> or a cousin shows them something. Look what I saw. Whatever it is, it's just that moment where an image that is not appropriate for them to be seeing, it's something that it goes against your family values and what you've been teaching your children. So let's talk about what does that process look like? Yes, your kid has either come to you because it's bothering them or you find out about it, which is what most parents do because kids are smart, but they are kids. And so right. they're not professionals at covering up their tracks and keeping everything completely secret, although sometimes it feels like it. So Barb, let's unpack that. What 
Sure. When you discovered your son was uh, visiting sites and seeing videos that weren't in his best interests from a purity standpoint, from a wholesome perspective, from a, a sexual perspective, how did you handle that? How do you recommend parents, you know, give us some sure. steps, give us some hope here. Hopeful sure, mom. absolutely. We need that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I have to say that initially I did not handle it well. So, you know, for me, and, and that's why I talk about it, right? Because I want other parents to handle it better than <laughs> I did. But initially, you know, I felt like a gag reflux in the back of my mouth. I, I thought I was going to throw up. And I, you know, I just was doing the the blank stare and then the hysterical, how could this have happened situation you know, and it took a while. And I, I kudos to my son for still being willing to come to us <laughs> and tell us this. And really, just to camp out on that for a moment, not every child does come to our parents. So that's, that's why I talk is because we want to create an atmosphere in which our children actually trust us and believe that we have their best interest in mind. And Absolutely. so when they do have this issues come up, they know they can come to mom and dad or, or guardian or whoever is in their household and say, look, this is a problem for me. And so one of the things I think I did do well eventually in that very first discussion was by the end, you know, the everybody's nerves had calmed down a little bit. I sat next to my son and I put my hand around him and I said, we're going to have to change some things in this house but I want you to know you're not in trouble. It's not because we dislike you, but it's because we actually love you that we're going to change some things. Like we're going to put some boundaries in, in the place. Or yes. Whatever it is. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was one of the things for sure we did. We took, we yanked, well, in no, anger, no, that's yanked probably, the Xbox. That's what I but, did. You know, it's like, we're taking <laughs> yeah. everything. You're just, you're going to sit <laughs> yeah. here right next yeah. to me on the couch whenever. <laughs> Yeah. And so, but we wanted to let him know, like, we still love you, even though your behavior is not behavior that's acceptable. We still love you and who you are at your core. And so we're going to protect you. We're going to change some things in order to protect you because we love you. We're going to safeguard you because we love you. And I think most parents believe that their children know they love them. And so we don't express it often enough. And I think, you know, I failed at this many times over my parenting years, but as we're talking with our kids, as we're helping them and disciplining them and safeguarding them, it's important for us to say, I love you. And this is my job as a parent to protect you. You know, I'm not against you. We shouldn't be butting heads. It's not like I'm, I'm angry. I am angry at the world, but I'm not angry at you. But this is important. So one of the things that I really hope parents will do is if your child does come to you with a behavior that you're, and it does, it can be any behavior. It's something that they're choosing to do that's unhealthy for them, that's not biblical, you know, is to just pause. Before reacting, before responding, just take a moment, at least a moment, and take a deep breath. And think about your response before responding. And a lot of times the information that they're feeding you is so upsetting that we might even need to say, I hear what you're saying. I need to think about this before I respond to you. So give me some time, you know, and even say it might be an hour. It might be tomorrow, but I need to process what it is you're giving me this information. So, so 
before we fly off the handle, before we, you know, even say anything, take that moment, take time to pause, take some time to process and pray about it, of course. And we could say, it's not because you're in trouble. It's not because of anything you've done. It's because I need to make sure my emotions are settled and that I am responding to you out of love and from a biblical perspective before we, we go any further. So that's my biggest, especially the initial reaction or response. So I just when want a to child recap. Comes to us. You yes, said ma'am. you want him to pause, think, mm-hmm. just pause, just to think. So you said pause, think. I hear what you're saying. I just need some time to process this. I love you. It's all going to be okay. But those are awesome affirmations to give our kids because our kids need to be affirmed that even even at my worst, even if I'm doing something that's disappointing you or embarrassing you, mom and dad, you still love me. Yes. You still love me. And I heard you say that as you were talking about it. So when they come to you and your initial reaction is to react and to shame them. Literally, how could you do this? Yeah. That's yep. so that's so wrong. You know better. I mean, yep. we have all yep. these things. Moms and dads that are listening, you know, you know. If it hasn't happened, there's a high probability, and Barb, you probably know the statistic, there's a high probability that your kids are going to end up in a place they shouldn't be, uh, whether they continue or whether it's, uh, oops, I am never going there again. Because of oh, the yeah. nature of our lives being online yeah. and technology being so pervasive and having so much access at an immature, uh, you know, kids are grown up, but I'm sorry, they're just not mature enough to Correct. be able to understand the fallout. So let's talk about, you know, like they come to you, what do you do? All right, so you've paused, you've thought about it. You've processed it. Sometimes you may get a little madder as you're processing it. (laughs) So friends, if that's you, that's normal. You're a human. You're a mama. And as Barb was saying, you love your babies. You don't want them to be hurt and harmed. So you've done that. And then, okay, Barb, you come back. You come back. And what do you do? Okay, no devices in the house. We're getting rid of the television. You're never doing an online class. What do you do? (laughs) Right. Well, and that's not, I mean, we jokingly are saying that, but it's just not possible in this day and age. Right. Yeah, It just isn't. And so, you know, one of the suggestions that I have for parents is to make sure that there are filters on the devices and on the Wi-Fi and we're using the parental controls. Now, we're not going to, if our child has a problem, If they are still curious and don't care about what you think or say, that's not going to stop their behavior. But one of the things that filters does is it it makes them stop and pause. And and if they're going to get around it, they're going to have to make an intentional decision. And going back a little bit to your curiosity uh, comment earlier, they are curious, right? Mm -hmm. And so we want to make sure that we don't shame them because of the natural curiosity that they have. Um, but we do want to make sure that we're safeguarding them, that they're not going to just stumble across something accidentally also, or that they can easily access it. So using the filters, but then having open conversations with our children. That's really our best line of offense and defense. And this is where it gets a little tricky because we are in an unprecedented time where our parents didn't have to have these discussions with us because there wasn't all this information that was so easily accessible. 
and it's freely accessible. They don't have to pay a single cent for it. So we're having to navigate these waters as newbies, but we want to make sure that they understand that we are willing to have these conversations. So, you know, sitting down with our children and asking them open-ended questions like, well, how are you getting into this information? What do you think about what you're seeing? Why are you accessing it? And for parents who have children who haven't accessed this information yet, you know, being willing to say, like, this is a danger. You know, we we think that this is something that you might run across, but we want you to understand what the harms are. So we want to have a conversation with you about it. So that open line of conversation regularly, you know, and not in hushed tones, not like, oh, we're going to, you know, have the talk, that one talk, but instead you know, it's something that's happening all the time. It's kind of built into who we are as parents. It's, I mean, we talk about so many things as parents. We teach our kids how to tie their shoe and then we teach them not to run into the street and we tell them not to take drugs. You know, let's just incorporate this as one more discussion that we're having with our children on a regular basis so that when they do get into trouble, they know, oh, that's right, my parents talk about this and I can easily go to them. So that ongoing conversation is so important. You know, there's a, several television ads and lots of health, like the CDC, the public health uh, organization, all of them send out these messages, talk to your kids. They may act yeah. like they don't care, but they do. And my research, oh, yeah. Barb, four out of five kids don't think their parents are really that interested in what they're doing online. Mm. Four out wow. of five. I was doing a show on on a topic related to this, and that was astounding. But the converse is actually true. Parents are very interested, but they can't yes. get their kids to talk. So we have right. this, we have a conundrum here. Kids don't think you mm -hmm. want to know. And parents do, but parents don't know how to get their kids to talk about it. So I think that goes back to what you said. Barb, earlier in the program. And friends, for those of you that are just tuning in, make sure you go back and listen to some of the comments. They're, they're very important for you. They'll be a useful help as you navigate. You have younger children and you're trying to think of how will we deal with some of this as it comes our way. It's coming younger and younger and it's getting more, you know, images are more graphic. Violent. What? Yeah, violent. And, and what is portrayed as normal? And so when you try to talk to your children, they'll be like, oh, you are so old-fashioned. That's just not mm -hmm. the way it works. And that is important to consider. You got to consider the words you use, and it has to resonate with your, with your kids. But biblical principles are still the same. I mean, God's Word doesn't change, but how we teach, how we talk, how we instruct our kids— so that they are healthy, so that when they enter into you know adult life, they don't have all this baggage from what they have been exposed to, to work through or bring into their marriages. We don't want that to happen. So, all right, so we're going to move this along. So one of the things you like to talk about, especially in your book, you know, there's fallout because you, you're all about having healthy relationships, uh, healthy intimacy healthy, yes. emotional, physical, spiritual relationships. Let's talk about the fallout because we all know, and society is now currently really pushing, I would say culture is, or segments of the culture are extremely proactive in 
making things that are right or telling us that they're right and then telling us we're wrong for thinking anything. It's just so, so messed up. But there's a fallout. So let's, let's talk about the fallout because you said you were talking to your son. I love you. I'm not angry with you. You're doing all the right things, Barb. But there's a fallout. Um, yes. If we ignore this or if we think it's going to go away, addiction can set in. I, mm-hmm. I have spent so many hours talking with teens. They could not go to their parents because their parents would be embarrassed. Their parents would be disappointed. I mean, that's like the worst thing. You, I am so disappointed in you. Yeah. You knew better. And you know, mom and dad, you know, we know how to construct those words in just a way with just the right tone that at pile a heap of fiery coals on our kids' head. I mean, they just, they feel like they're no better than mud on the bottom of a lake. But you talk about the fallout. Let's address yeah. the fallout of not addressing it when it comes across our plate. Yeah. Well, and the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question is brain science. So one of the fallouts is that our our kids, their brains are developing. And I'm sure most of us understand this by now. It's been a new discussion. But our kids' brains are still developing. So if they get involved in these types of behaviors as a preteen, teen, then they are actually changing the grooves and the neural pathways in their brain. And so one of the fallouts is that they do have a compulsion and then possibly an addiction because of how the brain works. And if they bond with screens, because that's what's happening, is they're actually making a chemical bond that's affecting the brain. And if they bond with the images on screens, then they're not actually going to be able to bond with real life people. And God created us to bond with people, to connect, to belong with other real life humans. And so that is one of the fallouts. But then relationally, another fallout is that they can't bond with humans, right? And so then it messes with the relationships that they have with parents and then going forward into Girlfriends, relationships. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. Yes, marriages, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So there's all that fallout. And actually, that was one of the things where the reason my son ended up confessing the second time was because he was at a youth program and the youth pastor was talking about how this had affected his parents' marriage and and the fallout of all of that. And so he, you know, snapped to like something clicked in his head, like, wow, this can actually go into the rest of my life and I could end up being divorced or end up having problems in my, with my employer and getting to work on time and and all the stuff. And so that's why he finally decided I got to get it together and get Mm. rid of this behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got all that, but then you have the societal repercussions, right? Because that's why people are getting involved in this is because society has slowly deteriorated to the point where they're like, yeah, this is okay. You know, all these behaviors, it's okay. Casual sex is acceptable and, and the things that our, our kids are experiencing. And then the peer pressure allows them to, to feel like, well, if everybody else is doing it, then it must be okay. So you've got all these ramifications and repercussions that we have to overcome as parents. That's where it's it's really tricky that we need to steer them toward these healthy habits 
and help them understand that I understand your peers are pressuring you into this type of behavior. However, God's word says that's not accurate. And here's why. And giving them some statistics, like the healthiest sex is sex within the confines of a marriage. Um, And statistically speaking, that's accurate. And so if we can help them understand that, we can help them understand or get over what they're being pressured to do. So, you know, it's interesting because intimacy is such a place of vulnerability for Mm, a couple, for both couples. And if one partner has an expectation of what should be done or what should be looked, Mm -hmm. you know, what Mm -hmm. you should look like or how you should act or behave, because it's being driven by an industry that knows exactly to a science, how to keep people clicking, how to keep people yes. uh, interested, how to heighten it and, and make it more. And I've talked to I've talked to several folks that have struggled because the real life didn't match up, and the fallout just from the other person in this case, mostly women, uh, that they just couldn't keep up with what the requests or desires were from you know their husbands, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and so. As a young man, we want our kids and women, because it's it's now women are just as much getting involved in online activities as boys are, yes. and it's warping their minds. It's rewiring their brains that, oh, this is fine. Yes. And so what we have to understand is when we're talking to them, which is, goes back to what you were saying, our kids need to know that it is in their best interest for the future of their life. That's not dramatic. We're talking about the future of your life. You know, intimacy within marriage is a beautiful, beautiful experience, and it, or it can be, or it can also be a crushing one. And our kids aren't able to truly process that uh, with all the information that's being thrown at them. Right. So it is our job. We can't just think of it as we're teaching them, well, you need to eat your fruits and vegetables because they're good for you. That is true. They need to eat their fruits and vegetables. They need to follow the rules of the road. They need to do all of these things. But in this area, it involves another person. And it also Mm. involves their mental, emotional well-being. And you're a mental health coach. You're a pastor's wife. You're a mom of four. You've navigated. There's something about walking through a situation uh, where your child has gone in places where they shouldn't have been going and that gives you a place to be able to say, I I understand, Mom. I lived it. I yes. lived experiences to me are so important because all these new moms are sitting there saying, but you don't understand. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, but I do. I do. I understand the heartbreak. I understand yes. walking your son. So because of time constraints, I want to just recap, you know, you're talking about the brain science, the compulsion uh, to see, to click leads to more clicking, more visual stimulation, because it's eventually it's just not enough. It's got to be more. It's got to be more graphic. It's like you said, often violent, but it's all degrading. It's all degrading to yes. the person that is being viewed. As we have known, human trafficking is a big issue. It is children are preyed upon. I've talked about this ad nauseum. You all know this. You know I'm passionate (laughs) about this, all you listeners. And we know that the folks at these big tech companies are buying people off. They're doing things that you and I would never dream. And that's the battle we're fighting. We're fighting this battle in our homes every day, every second. So Barb, you are the hopeful mom. You made it through 
your relationship with your son is intact and vibrant and healthy, and he has worked through it, and you have this ministry now that you're pouring into others, let's kind of wrap this up on a hopeful perspective as a mom who's listening that may be wrestling with guilt or shame or Maybe she's in the, okay, I just heard what you say. I got to process all of this. Yeah. Yeah. So I, there is hope. And one of the things that I, actually a friend told me this and I, I, it stuck with me. She said, well, their story's not over yet in talking about her children and in talking about my children. And I mean, that, that gave me such big hope. And so that's one of my messages is that their story is not over yet. And our story is not over yet, right? And these things that we are going through right now, they don't define us because a lot of times we label ourselves, right? Loser with the big L on our forehead, bad mom, failure. I've done all these things wrong, but that's not who God says we are. God says we are adopted and blessed and redeemed and loved. And at the core of our being, that is who we are. The behaviors that our children are experiencing or going through, those don't define us as people. They don't define us as parents, but also our failures don't define us either. That's not who God says we are. So that's where our hope is, right? And there is, you know, we can continue to help our children and it doesn't matter what age they are, whether they're five or 15 or even 25 or or even older, right? We can still be there for them and and they still have some future ahead of them, no matter where they are. Their story isn't over yet. What a great way to to close that out. That is true. God is always working. So wherever you are in your journey, you may be at the mountaintop right now. Things are good. Life is good. Your kids are great. They're doing all the things. You may be in the valley and you can't see past the next step because you feel like you're drowning or failing. Mm -hmm. Or you may be climbing up because you're trying to get out of it. I want all of you to know, you don't usually stay at a mountaintop very long before uh, something happens, a strong wind, a storm, and it knocks you off and you slide back down and there you are finding yourself in the valley and you're trying to climb your way back out. That is the nature of life. God says that in this world, there will be trials and struggles. So wherever you are in your journey, what you said, Barb, is so true. God's not done. He's not finished. So as we begin this new year, I want you to know there is hope. And Barb, I would love to have you come back on the program. We can talk about dealing with mom guilt. I mean, I sure, being absolutely. a mother of five that are all adults and some are married and the grandbabies, boy, were there lots of seasons. And even today, <laughs> even today, my kids are all grown, Barb. Some are married. I'll go to bed crying thinking, oh, I didn't say that right. It didn't come out. I mean, yeah. it's like a never ending, right. but that's the nature of relationships. And I'm so grateful that you wrote Sexpectations, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Healthy Relationships. Very excited for that book. Friends, I would encourage you, to me, knowledge is power. And if you're not in that season, I would encourage you to read. It will help you gain some knowledge and insight into preparing and talking with your spouse if you're married. What will we do? How will we handle this? What will be our reaction? Because then maybe it won't catch you quite off guard. And then go over to hopefulmom.net 
where Barb has lots of information to encourage you in your journey. She's a wealth of information, Barb. I'm so grateful you came on the program today and took your time to join us. We're honored here uh, that you were able to be with us, and we look forward to having you back on the show sometime. We'll have to work that out. But friends, all the notes, all the conversation will be over at ConnieOpers.com. Share this with your friends because I'm going to tell you, you're not alone. You're not alone. People don't share and talk about this because it's deeply, deeply personal and private. And I totally get that. And so does Barb. But you need to find and connect with others who can extend a hand out to you and encourage you that it's not over and here's some things you can do. So don't forget that. You'll find all that at ConnieAubers.com, as well as how to connect with Barb Winters as she's out there equipping and encouraging parents and kids that there is hope. So thank you for tuning in. Barb, thanks for being my guest, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, Connie. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.